This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I am Sandy Scarlatta, America's happiness coach, author of Happiness Solved. I'm also a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I have a gold medal in ice dancing. I've been a certified life coach since 2004, and I've been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. I am so excited to share that my next book is coming out soon. I am a co-author in the fastest growing personal development book series in the world with Jim Lutz and Jim Britt. The really cool thing is that the foreword was written by the one and only Les Brown, and for my copies, I'm on the cover with him. If you would like a free copy when it's available, email me at sandy at sandyscarlotta.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I am so grateful for you. Today's guest is Daniel Gomez. Daniel has over two decades of experience in the arena of leadership development and team building, sales training, customer service, and coaching. He is the international best-selling author of You Were Born to Fly, a book written to inspire and give people the high-performance habits and confidence needed to be the leaders of their own destiny. Daniel's high energy and ability to unlock the untapped potential in people have made him a highly sought-after trainer for top organizations, including the United States Air Force, to develop their officers. Daniel has such an amazing story to share, so of course, I am so excited for this interview. Daniel Gomez inspires! Woohoo! So happy to see you, my friend. How Sandy, are you? Sandy, I'm excited to be here with you. I'll tell you what, you're just a loving person and all the value that I can add, I'm going to leave it all on the table for you this today. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I love the sign behind you, the makings of a millionaire mind. Yes, yes, love yes. It. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we just launched our new book, our new course, and it's doing phenomenal. And it's been, uh, you know, I, I truly believe you got to add value to people. So many people don't realize that the marketplace will pay you according to the value that we delivered to it. And I'll tell you, the, the course has been definitely delivering value, so I'm excited about it. Well, I love the, before you can become a millionaire, you must learn to think like one. And we're gonna talk about that in a minute. We'll, let's circle back. But before that, Daniel, I met you in New York a few months ago, and, and we've had a few calls together and whatnot, but I don't really know your story. So share with me your story. How did you get to this point where you are today? Wow, Sandy, you know, so many times in life, we try to figure it out on our own. And we have the big house, we have money in the bank, and, you know, we have success, prominence, a title. But there was a little knock on our door. And it actually turned out to be a big knock. And I think so many times when that knock comes on your door, you choose how to respond to this knock. And for us, it was the knock of breast cancer. My wife was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer in 2017. And um, I really had to make the decision, was I going to hire somebody to take care of her or was I going to take care of her myself? And the reason I had to make this decision is because 
she she decided. I said, I can't make the decision for you. This is your body. She decided to have a double mastectomy, and in that process, depression came in, and she just right. Just imagine yourself as a woman if you have a C cup that there's no breast now to fill your blouses. So she was changing twice a day sometimes, and she just got depressed on me. So the moment of truth came when when this happened was was I gonna hire somebody or was I gonna man up honor my vows, and it just came to a head where one day see. People don't realize this is even though your body's healed physically, the mental aspect is even, it, it's it's longer sometimes just to get over that hump. and So much longer, yes. That's, that, that's when my journey started. So I, I resigned from my position. We were making a lot of money. But I said, what good does the money do if my wife doesn't make it? So that's, that's that right. was the beginning. And then next thing you know, this, this is what happened, Sandy. I was, I was, my wife is recovering from, from her, her surgery, the mastectomy. So I'm on the recliner, right? Just kind of being the old Daniel Gomez. And I started watching TV. And then I said, after two weeks into this, I said, this isn't going to work. I was thinking negative. I started reading a book and this book just opened up my heart to, wow. But this is what happened, Sandy. The moment of transformation, the shift came from when I looked in the mirror, a hundred employees were gone, responsibilities were gone, friends were gone because, right, my wife had a double mastectomy, so we weren't going out anywhere for at least three, six months, whatever. And I looked in the mirror and I didn't like who I had become. I was arrogant. I was ambitious to where it was in a, it was in a very positive ambition. And I just had a lot of regret that I had carried for with me and it just it started surfacing and I didn't know how to deal with it it was like wow so it was really the first moment in my life that I can honestly say I really really did a deep reflection and that's kind of where my journey started at that moment mm, yeah and that's a big one because when that light bulb goes on right and then you're you, then you're faced with now what so so what was that for you the now what was this was I said well it was, I resigned in November. I said, well, I'll give myself a couple of months. My wife will be better than then. I'll go back to work in January because I ran multi-million dollar automotive dealerships for many years, very successful. I mean, I know the car business and it, I, that was my thinking. And But as I started reading and then looking at myself, I cried because I didn't realize how much unforgiveness I had in myself. And I didn't realize how much pain I had caused my wife. I, I truly believe that right here, I'll, I'll just be totally transparent in, in in San Antonio, I was born and raised in San Antonio, where the city's like 90% um, Hispanic demographically, and the approach on life for Hispanic men, Mexican men is, right, we run the house, this is our house, and really my wife didn't have a voice, and it just suppressed her for so many years, so as this is going on, I had to forgive myself, because I felt guilty that, man, I had a lot to do with my wife's breast cancer, because if a woman, right, if your body doesn't have an outlet to release the emotions, release what you're feeling, you suppress it and your body can't respond to that. And it, it just, that's, I, I truly believe that that was a portion of why she was so young and, and diagnosed with breast cancer. How old was she when she was diagnosed? 44 years old. She was 44 years old when she was diagnosed. Yeah. yeah so she was, so young. all the stats they were giving us, the stats, like they didn't pertain to us because usually women get breast cancer when they're like in their sixties or up there past a certain age. And it just, there was no, there was so as this is going on, I just really said, well, I need to change. And I really went on that approach. And little did I know on that change, one day I was getting ready to go and for an interview. And I found this old email, Sandy, and the, the email was like a counselor because even I ran a Chevrolet, I still wear my Chevy General Motors ring because I just something that I, that, that I cherish. And 
I would go and give out these awards to these students. And one day the principal goes, hey, well, you want to say something, Mr. Gomez? And I was like, I don't have anything to say. And as I went and sat back down, I felt like God said, what are you talking about? Even though I ran the dealership, I love to do the training. I love the sales training, the leadership development. So I would do it. He goes, you just talked about attitude at work. Go talk about attitude. 20 minutes later, I said, ma'am, I think I can say a couple of words. I had a hundred, right? We were there and we had like 300 students in here. They were, they were yelling and screaming, I'm a winner, I'm a champion, I love myself. I found this email and the counselor was, sent it, she forwarded to me from a parent and she was like, well, who is this car guy? Who's this car guy that came and was yelling and screaming at my, at my son? Tell him I said, thank you. I'm like, what? EJ is not the same. He runs through the house telling himself he loved himself, he believes himself. And I would give out these Chevy caps at the at, at these award ceremonies. He puts on the Chevrolet cap. He looks in the mirror and he tells himself that he's special. He's a winner and he's never been more confident. Tell him I said thank you. And when I read that email, Sandy, I started crying. I cried. I literally cried. At that moment, God dropped it in my heart. I want you to go out there and speak and be a motivational speaker. And I was like, woo, yeah, right? Like I was like, <laughs> I believed it. But little did I know this, little did I know this, People were going to laugh at me because of the fact that I'm leaving the quarter million dollar a year job to follow my dream. But, you know, I was just crazy enough to believe it, Sandy. And that was the beginning of Daniel Gomez Inspires, which is our speaking brand that we speak all over the world internationally. And I was just crazy enough to believe it. And as they say in show business, the rest is history, Sandy. <laughs> Although I don't think you are crazy at all for for because it's just a big dream. And if you don't have those big dreams, yeah, you can call it crazy, but hey, look at you now, right? Yeah, and, and this is the thing I think most people miss. They, they take for granted, or they don't even realize this, because I wasn't aware of it, I'll be totally honest, is I look back as I was running this, this last big dealership that I was at, for, for four years, day in, day out, every Monday, I would do the sales training. I would do the leadership development, and I remember my uh, one of our one of my friends at work would say, "Man, let Daniel speak. Daniel's a great motivator." But just think about this: every Monday for twenty minutes, I was putting in my reps. I was putting in my reps. So when the moment came and the idea came, I said, "I thought about that." I said, "Well, but I was rough, right? I was I was a big diamond in the rough." I said, "So let me start where I'm at and." I think this is a mistake that a lot of people make is they don't hire that coach, whether it's a speaker coach or a business coach. And I, when I first started, I said, well, I can speak, but I suck, right? I'm just being honest. Not that I, I, I had the energy, but I just didn't, I didn't have the, like I said, I was a diamond in the rough. So I hired, I hired a coach right away and it was scary because I had never invested like that in myself. And it was one of the best things that I did. I stayed with this coach for a little bit. And then I went and got on another coach because I wanted a different perspective, right? I wanted, because I was young and I didn't know. And I stayed with this one coach for three months, got a lot of information, got a lot of wisdom. But then this other TEDx speaker kind of took me under his wing. And I was with him probably for about six months. But that really helped to just set a foundation where now it's like people that I come and ask me, I don't mind giving people advice, but it's like, hey, you have to invest in yourself. It's an investment within you. And I think so many people, that's a, that's a hurdle they have to overcome. But I can tell you that that was the best thing I did because that really helped me to elevate my speaking career because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's a big part of it, sure.
So I want to I want to circle back to something that you said because I think it's you kind of glossed over it, but I think it's kind of a really a, a big deal. But you mentioned your culture and how in the Mexican culture the man is the head of the house, and and your wife necessarily didn't have a voice, and that's your culture, and that's just the, the way it is. That's a huge thing to overcome. You've got your male ego involved, yes. right? You've got generations in your DNA of this is the way it is, right? How were you able to break that cycle? Yes. Because it's breaking those cycles that go back generation upon generation upon generation is very, very difficult. How were you able to really you know, put an end to that cycle that your family had been in for generations? For me, it was really rededicating my life to Jesus. That was that was it because I, I really I didn't realize how much pain I caused my family. And and not that I was this dictator, this asshole. That's not what I'm saying. But in 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 in, in, in everyday life, right? I ran. I had a hundred employees. I'd come home. I would bring work home. Right? I, I I would just just I wanted to be the best. We were winning. But my kids just sometimes wanted a dad and I would run over everybody and not, not knowingly know that. And a good example of that is just to say I get home and there's bikes on the driveway and I'd be like, my intentions were to go home and have a great time. And we would, but I, an example was, well, I would walk in the door and say, whose bike is that? Well, get the bike out of the driveway. I can't even park, right? And you don't realize you're doing this. Or you get home and, and like you sometimes your wife just wants a husband just to talk to and Really, like I, I would talk so much all day, I didn't want to talk, so I'd just go home and say, hey, just give me some space. So I think for me, it was really um, looking back at how I had acted, how I had behaved. Because even though we'd go on vacations, we'd have some great times, we, we, we had these moments of, of family time. On the day-to-day, -day, that's where those, those, those pains were coming in. So I had to really look at myself and realize that I need to change. Like it, it was hard because... My, my oldest daughter, my, 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 my oldest daughter, Alicia, like we didn't even have a, a relationship by the time she was already a senior, 17, 18 years old, because like we were just, we were so much alike that we were bumping heads all the time and I wasn't seeing this. So my wife being diagnosed with breast cancer was really a, a true yeah. blessing, right? Nobody wants their wife to go through breast cancer, but it was a blessing to us because it healed our family. I, I, I forgave myself. I asked God to forgive me. I forgave my, I asked my wife to, my wife, my children to forgive me. And I think this is a, a problem that a lot of yeah. men have, not just Mexican men, but in general is like kids, right? We, we look at our children right now and they're like, there's something wrong with our kids. Well, yeah, you're the, you're the parent, you're the problem. Like you need to lead your family. And so many times I wasn't taking ownership of that. And by God's grace, I really, it started with forgiving myself. And then asking for forgiveness from my wife, my son, and my daughter. And that's where the healing process, and it's, it hasn't been easy. It's been, even to this day, I mean, there's, there's flashbacks where the old Daniel Gomez wants to arise. And like Monday, I had to shut him up, right? Shut up, right? Nope, that's not who you are anymore. And it's making these daily decisions to be intentional, to really be this new human being. Because this, this is the truth. I, I, you know, everybody has a different philosophy of coaching. But the bottom line is this those programs are still down in there 
and sometimes they want to be they, they come up and they're triggered and you have to have the resiliency to know how to overcome that the bounce back and have the self-discipline to yeah. say that's not who I am anymore well, and I do want to throw out that, yes, I only used your words because you said, you know, Mexican. It's all cultures. It doesn't matter. I think that it's a human problem, a male human problem, and female too. We all get in those situations. And I know I find myself recently now, my son and I, because of my living situation, he's with his dad for the whole summer. And it's killing me, right? And I realized a couple days ago, it was actually my yes. mom. He's like, you need to be there more for your son. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like here, I thought that I was like giving him that t special time with his dad, which he needed. And I haven't been showing up. And it's, a, so it's not just a male thing. Like yeah. we get caught up in our it's, careers. We get caught up in our day-to-day -day thing. And you know, my son is a grown man now and I'm thinking that he doesn't need me, but he still needs his mom. And that was a big awakening. I just had a couple of days ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and it's true, right? And, 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 right, and for me, I mean, it, it really is, it really is a problem for, I, I say it's a problem for men, but I think especially for Mexican men, cause we're, we're taught, don't cry, don't right. Real men do this, and it's we have this facade, and and I and I can say that because I'm Hispanic, I'm Mexican, right? And I think it's a bigger. I would say when you get to to us Hispanics, us Mexican men, that it goes up even easier because my dad had a lot of machismo, right? They call it machismo, and it's an issue, and because because sometimes that that keeps your heart cold because you don't let your emotions out, and then as men we suppress it. Well, because we have suppressed emotions, guess what? Not knowingly. We're, we're, we're causing people in our in our everyday life and our family and immediate family to suppress theirs because that's what they see dad do. And then we wonder why there's no communication at home. So I can tell you these past four or five years have been amazing because, right, we cry. My son FaceTimes me now. Like the first time I never forget, he went to, he went, to, he, he's, he's a senior who'll be graduating here in a couple of months from Texas State University. But the first freshman year, he called me just to say, hey, what's up, dad? And the old Daniel said, well, what do you need? And I go, you need money or something? He goes, no, I just got to say, like, and, and right, he shuts down because he just, that's his demeanor. He just shuts down. I lost him. He goes, I'll just talk to you later, Dad. But after we hung up that call, I said, shit, right. you screwed up. But I learned from that moment that he just called to say hi. So I had to get used to getting in these new habits and these new conversations with my kids. And now, right, he doesn't even call me. He FaceTimes me all the time. And it's, I love it because now there's real dialogue, there's real relationship with him and my wife and, and our family, right? We usually don't call. We usually FaceTime each other because we all have iPhones and it just bonds our family even more. So things can definitely change in a household, but I, I really want to challenge the men that are listening to this and even the women out there that you have to be intentional on giving your children a voice. I'm not saying let them be spoiled, but sometimes we don't realize that our children you need to ask them for forgiveness too because we make mistakes as parents and kids see that and if we don't ask for that then right. they, what are they going to so learn right. from and, if they don't learn it from and us i want to like just acknowledge that you that happened with your son and it's okay and you it's how we react to those 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 awarenesses that that we have in our mind you know it's the situation happened and now how are you going to react and you learned from it and that's what it's all about 
you know, we're all going to make those those little tiny mistakes. It wasn't a big one. It wasn't big. Yeah. But you learn from it so you know the next time, okay, the next time he calls, hey. <laughs> and if he wants to ask you for money, he can ask you for money later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, now he had. And, and talking about that, right, sometimes, some, and, and I'm glad we're speaking about this because sometimes we instill, we, we don't realize it, Sandy, but we instill so much fear in our children as they're, as they're small kids that it's hard for them sometimes to ask us for things. And, and what I mean by that is there was a, my son came home one day and, and I was like, what happened? He goes, dad, I haven't paid the school. I'm like, well, why haven't you called me? He goes, well, I was scared to ask you. And we're talking about $4,000, right? Cause he's going to Texas State University. Cause I didn't want you to get mad, right? It's just one of those conversations that he didn't want to have cause it had to do with money. And, and, and that's why like, I caused him to have that fear because every time he, right, every every time he asked for something, I would make a big stupid ruckus about it, right? Well, what, do we need to spend that money, right? And, and and yeah, we do. Now I say that, yeah, but he had this belief and he had this emotion that he was scared to talk to me about that because I would either get upset or it would it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a good tonality, and we don't we don't think about it. it's not the words that we say it's how we say it. And I and so I just said, well, we'll just pay half this month and we'll pay half next month. Is that cool? He goes, yeah. So, ever since then, his whole demeanor, he talks to me about everything now because it was like a five thousand dollar bill that we had to pay to the college, and it wasn't budgeted. And I said, well, just spend. We'll pay two thousand five hundred. We'll spend the other. We'll pay it next month. Cool. But now he can talk to me about anything because I gave him right. I gave him that safe passage that I didn't get mad. I didn't raise my voice. I didn't raise my tonality because. Right, uh, communication. Ninety-three percent of communication is nonverbal. It's not the words. Only seven percent is verbal. And as parents, we need to know that. Well, and you created a safe space, which is huge, and that's what children need. Kids of all ages need that. But you just brought up money, so that's a good segue. So let's talk about before you can become a millionaire, you must learn to think like one. What does that look like? Well, the, the, and I'm sure it's big. <laughs> it's not just a one sentence. Answer. Yeah, you know that, like, like I was just saying. Whenever I had a conversation about money, and and this is the thing is, is we had right, we we weren't as wealthy as we are now. But we'll just say ten years ago, my wife would ask me something, and I'd be like, "Well, do we really need it?" And I would make a big rush about it, and and that's having that poor-minded financial and economy that I talk about in the book. Right, I talk about that poor-minded financial economy. And, and, and our, our response to, to money is negative. Anytime we had to spend money, well, do we really need to spend it? And it wasn't, and it was, like I said, back to the tonality. So I look back at how I was. I remember my wife asked me one time when my daughter, we sent her to Europe. And she goes, you know, Dan, I'm not asking you. I'm asking you because we need to do this for Ozzy, right? I'm kind of like telling you, let her go to Europe. She needs to go do study abroad. And we had the money. And I said, you know what? You're right. So the big difference is this, is that when you start thinking like a millionaire, you go from that, from that lack scarcity mindset of shortage of money, not seeing opportunities to where now, where my son Julian, like I said, he's graduating here and my mindset's different. Yeah, that's, you know, if it's 5,000, it's 10,000, let's do it, right? Because you realize that there's no shortage of finances, there's no shortage of opportunities. 
So to, to before you can become a millionaire, you got to start thinking in that increase. You got to start thinking in that abundance, and you got to change your relationship with money because money, right? Money is 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 positive. Money is energy. Money is allows you to contribute. But so many of us, like myself, I remember me and my mom and dad arguing about money because I remember they would turn off the electricity bill because we didn't have the money to pay for it. And these things that kids grow up in, and right, the average the average household in, in, in America don't have, right, I think it's I think it's like over forty percent don't have a thousand dollars in their savings account right now. They they couldn't they couldn't handle an emergency. And it's sad. And this stuff traumatizes families, it traumatizes the youth. And their relationship with money is just like, you know what, why? I truly believe now that we're talking about it, that's why a lot of these millennials didn't have a dream to buy a big house because guess what? In their homes, all they heard was arguments about money, mom and dad fighting about it, divorce, right? A big part of, I think divorce is, is about money is, is one, of the, one of the top three reasons why people get divorced. So in the book, it re we really, it's, it's things that I went through that, and I had, right? I wasn't... I'd be lying. I wasn't a millionaire at the time, but we had we had a couple of hundred thousand in the bank. Our house was paid off. We we're doing very well. But the thing is, this is that there's another level of living where you realize it's not about Daniel. It's about giving and helping the homeless, contributing to, to your community. And when you think like that, right, I call it you, you go from that poor minded financial inner economy and you develop that millionaire minded financial inner economy. You realize there's no shortage of. Of, of opportunities and surplus but this is the thing is is you have to, it's a journey of becoming I call it in the book and what I realized Sandy in my executive and business coaching is most people even executives even successful business owners they undervalue themselves they have even though they have some type of wealth they have a poor self-image of themselves and that's what keeps them that's the, so right the next step of thinking like a millionaire is you don't self-destruct, you don't self-implode because how many people attain the wealth, they have a business that grows overnight, but they don't have that millionaire mind, the character to sustain it. So they self-implode and then they self-destruct. And I talk about that in the book because the biggest lie that we've been told about money is this. Money makes you more of who you are. It doesn't. It, it, that's not true because check this out. I thought I was a good person. But the more money I got, there was stages as my our wealth grew. I had to protect my heart because greediness does want to arise, right? And then those old think thought, those old thought patterns of scarcity want to come in. So it, it's a daily process. It's a monthly process of protecting your heart to not allow greed and hoarding to set in because it, it wants to. Because you you hit a certain amount, you're like, wow, I wonder if I can hit this. And then you think like it's about hitting these goals instead of really contributing. So think about this. People that say, well, money makes you more who you are. The average American barely has $100,000 in the bank account. So when it comes to a million, it's like less than 2%. So how can, how can all these 98% say it makes you more of who you are if they've never had that amount of wealth? Exactly. That's so true. That's so true. So what is one thing that somebody can do right now to help them Get 1% better, just a little bit. Because we know that it's not, changes don't happen like that. So what's like, what's like a little, a little nugget that, that somebody can apply? Well, it, it, I'll say this, you have, to, you have to really let go of your old identity. Your old identity of who you are, who you, who, excuse me, who you were, 
you have to release that. And it hurts because a lot of times with that old identity is old relationships and old environments. And for me, I, I man, I, I've ridden in a Harley since 2003. I bought my first Harley in 2003. I had so much Harley Davidson paraphernalia, clothes, and, and not that Harley's bad, right, within itself, but for me, the memories that it brought up with me, being on my Harley, being at bars, this person that I was, I had to release that identity. Mm-hmm. So right now, what what are you doing, right? What are you holding on to? And something that I talk about in the book that was hard for me was I, I just, I, I didn't even give it away, not because I didn't want to, it wasn't a greedy thing. I threw away the clothes because to me that clothes had bad memories. It wasn't who I was anymore. So I would tell somebody right now, look at the identity of who you want to become. If you want to become that successful businesswoman, that successful businessman, throw away whatever is holding you back that ties to an identity of you being maybe a, a, a waitress or, or being that clerical worker, whatever it may be, that mechanic. Throw it away. Throw it away. Throw all that clothes, anything tied to that. Just throw it away because the, the, right, the vacuum law of prosperity says this. When you get rid of the old, you make room for the new. And I struggled with how do you, like right now I feel comfortable how I'm dressed, but I could write, because I, 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 I was in the automotive industry for so long, I could rock a suit. I mean, I wore a suit all the time, but the other Daniel was the biker guy, right? The Harley Davidson guy. So I struggled with the in-between look, I really did. So when I started building my brand even more, it's like, well, a lot of people don't relate with the suit anymore, so what do I, how do I dress? And it really took me about a year to feel comfortable and now it's like, I'm just who I am and I'm just being honest. So what is tied to your old identity that you need to throw away? Maybe it's clothes. Maybe for you, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a radio. Maybe it's an old ex-husband and an ex-wife. Whatever that is for you, get it away. Maybe old furniture, right? Old, I mean, a couch. A couch can have a lot of memories. Get rid of that old crap and go out there and what's the new identity that I want to create for myself and start putting yourself in those environments with those people that are going to help you. And then this, the second hack I'll give you is pretty, it's pretty simple, but it's pretty awesome. Especially in today's world, stop worrying about gas. Just <laughs> fill up your car, right? Fill up your car. When you get in the habit of filling up your tank with gas, regardless of what it is per gallon, the money's going to come. But that's one way to really get over that, that scarcity mindset, that poor minded financial economy. Because right my, 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 we just bought a boat uh, two months ago and I was laughing because I told my son, I said, man, Jay, this, this, I go, guess how many gallons of gas, the, the, how many gallons the boat hails? He goes, how many, dad? I go, it's 57. He goes, 57? He goes, well, that's good. I go, yeah, you're not filling it up. He goes, dad, if you're buying a $100,000 boat, you're not going to be worried about how many gallons you got to put in it. Just put the gas in there. But like he's coaching me now and it's like, because he has that mindset because he's grew up around this these past five six years and it's he's true right when you're buying a hundred and something thousand dollar boat you're not worried about how much storage is you're not worried about how much gas is going to be you just do it and when you the, the more you do it the easier it gets then it expands your thinking about money because right when you open up that floodgate well then you allow that revenue you allow those new clients to come in if you're a business owner because if you're nickel and diamond right i went with this counting pennies will cost you thousands of dollars mm. counting dollars will cost you millions love it i love that yeah because everything you're talking about is energy and when we're thinking those negative thoughts about oh my gosh it costs this money much to put in the gas tank that's a negative energy and you're just going to bring more of that back into your life 
Yes. And the same with the clothes. And, and, and right, this is the clothes, the, the objects. Yeah. It's negative energy that you're holding on to. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love and, that. And, 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 and in business, right, I'll, I'll say this is that I say, that I write this down, ladies and gentlemen. I say this I am ridiculously happy that I get to pay for XYZ. Exactly. I am ridiculously happy that I get to pay for my social media marketing. I am ridiculously happy that I get to pay my assistant. And when you start saying that, you start to believe it. So now instead of getting this this invoice, it's like, oh shit, I gotta pay this, right? Negative energy, like you said. You know what, man? I get to bless yeah. this person with revenue, let's go, right? Yeah. Because when you bless them with revenue, guess what? People, when, when you ask them for five, $10,000, yeah, I wanna pay you, Daniel, because I've sown that seed with an open heart and I am ridiculously happy that I get to be here on this podcast with you, Sandy. I'm loving it. But when you have that attitude, when you put out that energy about money, about paying your vendors, it's like, I told this to my business clients. It's like, look, when you get an invoice, if you have the money in the bank, pay it. The longer you wait, why are you waiting? You're only hurting yourself because one of the best practices that I put in, in my business, I truly believe why we're so successful is that as soon as I get an invoice, as soon as I get something, guess what? I pay it. That within an hour, I usually pay over 40% of my invoices within that hour if I'm free. And within the day, I pay like 90% of them. And it's just, it's just the way I do business because I know what it's like to be struggling when I'm starting. And people need that revenue. People need that invoice paid. Well, and you're showing the gratitude. And, and money is just a tool. And you're just recycling it. You're just putting it back in, in there. And, and it's that whole, again, yes. that positive mindset about that invoice. Oh, I'm so grateful I get to pay this bill today. You have to believe it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and, and you start to say it like, like the other day, we just got the boat storage. I was like, I, I am ridiculously happy that I get to pay $280 for boat storage. It's like, you know what? It's part yeah. of the gig. And it's, it's amazing when you have that attitude, you attract more opportunities. And so I, I really want to encourage your audience, you got, right? You got to go get the book, go to the makings of a millionaire mind.com. That's the makings of a millionaire mind.com. Order your autograph copy and get our course while you're there. Our course has been transforming people's lives. And, and like I said, it, it's, it's about, the person you become, Sandy, because until you change from the inside out, our outer world, right? What we manifest, what we create on the outside, it's a reflection of who we are on the inside. And if you have that wrong relationship with money, if you're arguing with your wife about money, if you're fighting with your kids because you have financial stress, you need to change with the inside. And maybe your business isn't growing, maybe your business is in the red. You gotta change who you are in the inside, how you see business. And what I love about the whole concept of the makings of a millionaire mind it definitely talks to the family, right? To the father, to the mother, but it speaks to those business owners, to those entrepreneurs that need to change the way their relationship is with money. Because this is the thing, right? If you, when you have a poor-minded financial in your economy, this is what happens is, is, is we want our business to grow. We want customers, right? But think about this. This is, this is where they, they, they kill their own business. When, you, when you're poor-minded and you have a bad relationship with money and, and your belief system, your program is, I don't, right? Money's not important. Well, guess what you're really saying? Sandy's my client. Sandy wants, right? Because when you're a client, when you're a customer, what does that translate into? Money. So what I'm really saying, well, um, I'm deflecting Sandy by accident because the bottom line is Sandy already has a check to give me $10,000, but because I have, because I'm saying money's not important, then the deal goes south and I'm deflecting all these customers that want to do yeah. business with me. That's right. Totally. Does that make sense? Right? Because, because, right? Your program is money's not important. Sandy calls Daniel as an example, 
And my belief is money's not important. So Sandy, you're ready to you're ready to do business. You're already closed on your own. But right, Sandy translates into money. And since my belief is money is not important, well then I find somehow to sabotage that relationship with that client, with that customer. And I don't maybe I don't even acknowledge and see that you're there because to me, the program that's running underneath me is money's not important. And your customer's gonna know that. Maybe not, they may not be totally aware yeah. of it, but there's gonna be something that's telling them, I don't know if I wanna work with this person. Yeah. Yes, it, yeah. I mean, you, I, I'm pretty sure you've experienced it where you're like, man, I was ready to give this person a, a check for a thousand dollars and they didn't yeah. want it. I, I've seen that. But when you, what, right? But when you change that program, like we talk about in the book and the course, the course goes even more in depth because it goes even deeper with our workbook is that when you realize money is important, you start seeing things from a different perspective because you're thinking differently. And now, no, Sandy's important because, right, not only am I going to help her, I'm going to bless her. She's going to reward me with the money that I need to grow my business, to help the homeless and the needy. And it's just a cycle that goes on and on because now, right, what's, what's important in your life, you attract more of what you take, what, right? What you neglect and you unappreciative of, you deflect it. And that goes for money and customers. At the end of the day, customers and clients equal money, equal revenue. So you need to change your, your perception, your relationship with how you see money. I love it. You have said you so it. many amazing things. Is there anything else you want to throw out there before we finish up? Well, I'll tell you what, I want to definitely give your audience a complimentary um, coaching session. Go to go, go to info at danielgomezglobal.com. That's info at danielgomezglobal.com. I want to give your audience a complimentary 45-minute discovery session. And while you're doing that, go to our website, themakingsofamillionairemind.com. Get your autographed copy right now and get our course. We have uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to put out three scholarships for your audience and um, go to, the, to, to our website, our landing page and click on scholarship and when they put in the notes there, Sandy, you're gonna qualify for that scholarship. I wanna do that for your audience because it's really about helping Aww. people, Sandy. So thank you so much for having me. You're, you're, you're a lot of fun. <laughs> thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes as well. Well, thank you for having me. Blessings, everybody. Thank you, Daniel. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.